How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. Two dominant people can't marry each other because there would be a murderer quickly. Okay. You know, two very passive people can't marry because they would starve to death because they can't decide where to eat lunch. And so, you know, you, you always marry to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. and I never discuss who the boss of our marriage is because the boss of our marriage is Jesus Christ. But when we began in marriage, I dominated Karen. I had a very dominant personality. And because of that, we had no intimacy. We had a horrible marriage. Uh, we had everything I'm going to describe here was Karen and me early in our marriage. But we, we learned to overcome it. We learned to disarm it. And now we have a wonderful marriage where we share everything together. Let me, let me give you a definition of dominance when I talk about this. It means disproportionate control of the relationship and those elements common to the relationship, like children, like money, those types of things. It means someone, someone has more stock than the other person. If there's a company and you both have 50% of the stock, and that's a good marriage. In a, in a dominant marriage, someone has more stock. In fact, sometimes someone has all the stock. And 100% of the decisions are made by one person. If you can picture a dollhouse uh, and you crank the lid back on a dollhouse and you're looking down into a dollhouse, a, a, a good family, you know, a, a functional family, what you'll see is you'll see two big rooms in this house. And, the, and that's mom and dad. Mom and dad have the same size rooms. And then when children are born, they really don't have a room. They don't really get to say anything related to the family. As they get older, we may talk to them about where we go on vacation or where we go out to eat tonight or something like that. And then the older a child gets, we're, we're trying to help them to grow up as a responsible adult. So we give them a little bit more voice in the family. So they have a room and, you know, they get 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Their room grows. It never gets nearly as big as our room. But then when they're 18, we kick them out of the house because they get real opinionated. <laughs> and so, we, you know, we, we want them to leave at that point. You know what I'm talking about. So one of the things they notice in research is in equalitarian homes, the children lack ascendancy. And that means they don't know how to achieve properly. They don't know how to ascend socially because they didn't watch it. The number one best homes, according to research, are male-led homes where the husband treats the wife as an equal, but he initiates the well-being of the home. See, one of a woman's deepest needs is leadership, not dominance. Women want their husband to initiate the well-being of the children, the discipline, the spirituality of the home, the finances of the home, and the romance of the home. 
Women want their husband to be the loving initiator of the home with them being an equal. That's what makes women feel most secure and most well taken care of. And when children grow up in a home where they have a father who is a loving leader of the home, treating his wife as an equal, the children are most emotionally healthy and they have ascendancy. They understand what leadership looks like. They understand what it's like for someone to take the initiative. Okay, so if you don't have a male at home, the next best is an equalitarian home. But other than that, when you have a male-dominated or a female-dominated home, you're going to have dysfunction within that. So let me, let me explain something to you. You always marry according to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. There's always a balance to it. When Karen and I met... Um, I never had an insecure day in my life. I was the class clown. I was, you know, popular. I was confident. I just, I, I, I was, I had too much ego, way too much ego. I thought I was God. I've never met a person with as low self-esteem as Karen when we got married, ever. Karen was beautiful, thought she was ugly, thought God hated her. She, she had self-hate. I, I mean, literally, Karen was beautiful. I have a huge family. And I would take Karen, when, when we went into public, Karen stood behind me. And I would pull her out from behind me and introduce her like to a family member. And as soon as I finished introducing her, she was back behind me. It was like she was on a spring-loaded thing or something. You know, it's just like <laughs> she just kept going behind me. Because she had such terrible self-esteem, we were the perfect match. I thought I was God. She thought she was the devil. It didn't work. It never works. This is the way God designed marriage to work. In fact, this is the way God designed marriage to work. For the man to be just a little bit more assertive than the woman, but to treat her as an equal. This is the perfect marriage. This might work a little bit with a woman a little bit more assertive, but it's not good for the male ego. But in this range right here, it's good. The further you get away from this, the worse it becomes. And sometimes, see, like with Karen and me, what see, I could have never, I could have never married a confident woman. Because I was, I was too sick emotionally. I was unhealthy emotionally. I had a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear inside of me, but I masked it by being confident. And I didn't know that. I, had, I didn't understand that until I, you know, I received Christ and the Holy Spirit began to do surgery on my heart and all these things began to be exposed. But when Karen and I got married, you know, it just simply didn't work. It was dysfunctional. But I was attracted to her because... She accommodated me emotionally, and she was attracted to me because I accommodated her emotionally. She needed a man with the self-confidence that she didn't have, and I needed a woman that would accommodate my, my ego. So we were a match, okay? Women, a very assertive woman, always marries a very passive man. Two dominant people can't marry each other because there would be a murderer quickly. <laughs> Okay. You know, two very passive people can't marry because they would starve to death because they can't decide where to eat lunch. And so, you know, you, you always marry to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. So Karen and I, see, we're, God put us together. You might say, Jimmy, that doesn't sound like God put you together. God put us together as broken people, but God put us together as healed people. Isn't it beautiful that God can do that? So when I'm using my hands here, you're somewhere on this scale. I don't know where you are, okay? But I'm going to tell you, if you're not in this range, you have problems. 
There's, there's disrespect. There's lost intimacy. And one of the things when we first got married, she, she would get so frustrated. She would say, you know, you can just talk all the time. And I can't talk as fast as you. And see, typically in most marriages, there's a fast talker and a slow talker. And there's a person who's never at a loss for words. And there's another person two days later goes, I wish I'd have said, you know. And so in, in our relationship, I'm never at a loss for words. Karen, you know, two days later will say, we, I, I'm, yeah. so we, my strong personality just was overbearing within the relationship. And we would get into an argument. I was a prosecuting attorney and I could make my case extremely well. And, you know, so... Karen was so frustrated in our relationship because of the strength of my personality that was not submitted to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about this more in just a minute. But some of you, some of you ladies have a strong leader personality, and your husbands don't. Some of you ladies are fast talkers. Now, all ladies are talkers. I can tell you that right now. So, but some of you are fast talkers. And some of the husbands are slow talkers or don't talk as much. And so you have a naturally dominant personality that you have to learn to deal with. So let me talk just a minute about what to do if you're being dominated and what to do if you're dominant. Okay. So ha having said everything that I've just said, if you're, if you're being dominated, you just have to, you have to be honest with your own issues. Karen is an example of this is that you have to be honest and just say, I'm being dominated, okay? And don't deny it, don't sugarcoat it, I'm being dominated. The second thing you have to do is just stand up. It's like a teeter-totter. You know, when you're on a teeter-totter with someone, what you do directly affects them. You, when you change, your marriage changes. You're not a victim. You don't have to wait for your spouse to change. When you change, the equilibrium of the relationship changes. So here's what Karen did. So we have, we have this teeter-totter, and here we were. As Karen began to get healed, uh, Psalm 107.20 says, God sent his word to heal them and to deliver them from their destructions. Okay, Well, every morning Karen would wake up from the day we got married. Karen has never not read the Bible in our entire married lives. Even when she didn't believe it. Even when she hated herself and th thought she couldn't be saved. Every day she read the Bible. The Bible healed Karen. I didn't. The Bible did. God's word healed my wife. And as Karen began to get healed, one of the manifestations of her emotional health improving was she began to stand up to me lovingly. She just began to stand up. Well, again, the equilibrium changes. When you change, you, everything changes. So Karen began to force me to be more humble in accommodating of her by doing this. And my response was, you get out of the house. The night that she stood up to me, I told you get out of the house. And that was the old chauvinist, dominant Jimmy that died that night. Thank God. She began to stand up to me. When she did it, forced the issue. And, I, and she did it lovingly. She did it righteously, but she did it. You can insist on respect, and you can insist on having a voice. And let me, let me say, some people are dominated because they're emotionally lazy. And you're being dominated, but you don't have to think. Someone's doing all your thinking for you. And you've got to, but you're miserable. You have to make up your mind, I'm not going to be emotionally lazy anymore. I'm going to pay the price to be heard and be respected. I'm going to do it righteously, but I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm not going to accommodate the dominance of my spouse. If you're the dominant person, you've got to sit down. You've got to humble yourself. And you've got to accommodate your spouse. Now listen to me. 
I will not make a decision without Karen Evans, period. Every significant decision we make, we make together. A thousand times she says to me, Jimmy, you just make the decision, I'm fine. A thousand times I say, no. No. If, and I never pressure her. I never nag at her. She never pays a price. And what I say to her, the unity in our marriage is more important than any decision we're making. And wherever we go, we're going together. And if it takes you an extra day, an extra week, an extra year, I'm waiting until you're ready. You pray. You get all the information you need. We'll talk until you're ready because we're a team and everything we do, we do together. Under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what that creates in our marriage is intimacy. And as a dominant man, I'm naturally dominant with a strong personality. As a dominant man, what I have to do is sit down. Sit down. So how did our marriage get healed? Karen stood up and I sat down. Karen began to assert herself. She began to stop accommodating my ego, which was wrong and sinful. She just began to lovingly insist on respect and insist on having a voice. I sat down. And now we're here. Karen dominates me. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, what I say to Karen is, you're too healed. I, I, I'm asking Jesus to take away some of your healing. Because that sister is a lioness of God. She's what she, I'm telling you. So, but, but I guarantee you one thing. We have an equal marriage. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone. Plus, spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. Well, you know, this, this program today on dominance, we hope that this is helpful to you. Karen, we're talking about intimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, this comes from our seminar, Return to Intimacy, where we talk about disarming destructive mm -hmm. dominance. And, you know, dominance is a, always destructive in a mm -hmm. relationship. And I was dominant. I was the dominant person in the relationship. So we're going to answer some questions from some of our viewers. And I'm going to start. Uh, this question says, I am more confrontational, but my husband sometimes resents it. How do I convince him I don't want to be the bad guy? She's she's more confrontational, right. and he doesn't. Well, it's like probably it. a lot like what you and I went through. You yeah. know, when I got healed, you, you sometimes like to kid me and say I got too healed. And, You're a little too healed. <laughs> and so, you know, when I got healed and became more confident in speaking up for how I felt about certain things, um, you know, there was times that you know, looking back, I can see, you know, and even recently, I think I did this. You know, you need to really be careful about how you're saying it because you've always said it's your attitude that I'm hearing before your words. That's right. And so you can you can present something, but just check your attitude. You know, is it 
to enforce? Is it to, because you're frustrated? Is it because, you know, you didn't forgive him for something for last week and, and now it's coming out, you know, as you confront him about something? And, you know, the main thing is, you know, be respectful and, and, and talk in a, in a gentle, kind way. I mean, we all can hear when someone's being kind and gentle and, and, you know, just loving. So, you know, Check the tone of your attitude. That that would be a big thing no. for me to say. Well, and two, it might be that he's passive, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't share his feelings. Mm-hmm. She might be dominant or, you know, disrespectful, like mm-hmm. you were saying. So he kind of goes underground, mm-hmm. and she's chasing him. You know, she gets frustrated, and he's quiet, yeah. and he's being passive. So she's, you know, she, and so... In a, in a marriage where there's not dominance, it means you're both sharing. Mm-hmm. You're both affectionate. You're both open. Mm-hmm. And when you have an imbalance, it typically means one person's more confrontational. Mm-hmm. One person is passive. And, and it really does drive you crazy. I mean, you're both driving each other crazy. But there is dominance, it sounds like. Yeah. But there has to be a mutual commitment of giving each other the right to complain mm-hmm. without paying a price. Because, you know, when there's dominance in the relationship, it means you're going to pay a price. Yeah. You cr- I'm, I'm going to train you. You cross <laughs> me. You know, you're going to pay a price. When there's not dominance in the relationship, it means I have the freedom to be me mm-hmm. without you putting me down. Mm-hmm. And and both people respect that. Now, Karen, you have a question? I do. Uh, this one says, My wife manipulates me by threatening separation or divorce whenever she doesn't get her way. What can I do? Well, the, in manipulation is the right way to say it, and that is she's saying, I want this, and if you don't give it to me, uh, I'm, I'm leaving. Well, you know, it, it's a horrible situation, but at some point you have to stand up to that. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if it were happening to me, mm-hmm. what, what I would say is uh, I love you mm-hmm. and I want to be married, but I'm not going to do what I do out of a threat of you leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it because I love you and because it's right. Mm-hmm. And if it's not right, I'm not going to do it. And and if you leave me because I didn't do it, mm-hmm. you know, going down the road, and I, not not in the sense of I want you to leave, mm-hmm. but I'm just not going to live my life under the cloud mm-hmm. that you're going to leave me. And and any person, the threat of a divorce, the threat of an affair, is manipulation mm-hmm. and it's control. Mm-hmm. And you have at some point you have to stand up to it. In fact, every person who's being dominated or controlled, mm-hmm. and you were, and I know we have a question in just a minute about this. Every person who's being manipulated or controlled, you're allowing it. Yeah. You're enabling it. Mm-hmm. And so for this man, I would say stop enabling it and and just say to her, honey, I love you and I'm not going to respond unrighteously, but if you leave me, you leave me. You know, go on. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do that. And what happens then is either she'll leave and come back or leave and not come back or stop doing it. Mm-hmm. But either way, he's out from under that control. And it may be a time where they just need to really get outside help. You yeah, know, absolutely. just go get some counseling yeah. and just say, you know, we can't live this way, but I don't want you to leave, and I don't want to leave, yeah. so let's go get some outside help. Well, I think that's exactly right, Karen. I think that outside help would be great for him. Now, let me read, try to get through one more question okay. here. Uh, Karen, how exactly did you begin standing up to Jimmy when he was controlling and dominating? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I, I have to laugh because I remember exactly where, where we were and what room we were in and exactly the look on your face and what I was doing back at you. <laughs> Don't you love those memories? <laughs> but yeah. it was like you had, it was right before, you know, the worst of the worst. And you were just like always telling me, you're just not submitted enough. And I was just thinking, <laughs> 
I am probably the most submitted woman you're ever going to find. And you were just like constantly saying that. And I don't, I'll never forget, you know, just you all over me and just, you better do da 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 da. And I. Well, you just, the, the, the lady's asking, how did you do it? You just began to love him. I didn't know. What I remember thinking this is, no, that's not right. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. And I am. Yeah. And I just remember leave, walking out of the room thinking, I'm not going to engage in this. See, before we, I would stay engaged trying to win, and yeah. I knew it was going to lose because well, I can't. But you were just saying to me, don't, no, don't talk to me like that. No, that's not right. Exactly. You began to, you know, it's this deal here. You have a person dominant and a person <laughs> who's overly submissive. You began to stand up. I know. And it forces. <laughs> you're so you, cute because you're telling me. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> She's, but look, she just hit me. So anyway, the sisters heal. No. <laughs> but you're right. You know, you're saying you're saying is right, but I was getting to that. <laughs> We're so out of time, cute. thankfully. And now watch this. This program today is on dominance. It's on disarming destructive dominance, Karen, that mm. when you have dominance in a marriage, you know, and when I do the, the poll mm -hmm. in seminars, I've done this all over the world, hundreds of thousands of people, asking them how many of you were raised in a home where one parent was clearly dominant mm -hmm. over the other, 70 to 80% of hands immediately go up. Mm -hmm. And then I ask a follow-up question. Mm -hmm. How many of you believe that had a negative influence on your family? Every hand immediately goes mm -hmm. back up mm -hmm. all over the world. Dominance is, is something that always damages the mm -hmm. relationship. It damages the sense of goodwill. It damages the intimacy because someone's being dominated. Yeah. Someone's being disrespected. There's, it's a disproportionate control of the relationship. So when we got married, Karen, I have a naturally choleric personality. Mm -hmm. And so I, it was my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And I dominated you. You began to stand up to it. Well, and I was naturally shy. So it was, you know, like we've said before, it's easy, you know, yeah. for a shy person to have some, someone kind of tell them what to do. And, but you um, didn't like it? No. And the reason I didn't like it is because I started realizing the tone and the way you were treating me, I just didn't feel like I had the respect, you know, that I'm a part of this marriage. And I think that's what happens is you get so imbalanced that one person's, like you're saying, trying to control, and the other person feels like, why am I even in this? If you just, yeah. all you want to do is control it. And so I remember, you know, the main thing, though, was that if you have a personality like I was or, you know, you're more passive is just to really, you know, concentrate and, and, and ask the Lord to help you to be confrontive, but do it in a real loving, kind way. Yes. Because, you know, um, anger never gets you anywhere. And the Lord says that the peacemakers are very blessed. And a person who, you know, wants to make peace or bring peace, you know, they come with an attitude that says, I'm not against you. But we can't continue on like this because it not only hurts me, yeah. but it devalues the person that's acting that way too, mm -hmm. because everybody can see it, <laughs> you know. And even if you know um, they're not recognizing it, you know, none of us like to be around somebody who's chauvinistic or controlling or bossy. Yeah. And so, out of love, you know, it's it, the best thing you can do for your spouse is to you know you know start confronting that so that you can both be okay. St standing up, the the person being dominated male or female, because mm -hmm. this is gender neutral, mm -hmm. is that the person being dominated has to begin to assert themselves mm -hmm. and to demand respect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you just, just like you did, mm -hmm. lovingly just begin, don't, don't become like the other person. Mm -hmm. Don't fight fire with fire. Yeah. The person that's dominant, you have to sit down. You have to humble yourself. And you have to accommodate your spouse. An example is, I won't make a decision without Karen, and I don't bully you into mm -hmm. making decisions. Yeah. 
And so because of that, we're partners. And because of that, we have an equality in our in our marriage. And I'm sorry that we're out of time, but listen, I hope this is helpful to you because most, most families and most couples are affected by this issue. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. God bless you.